So why don't we pray and uh, we're going to get into God's word together this morning. Father, I was just reminded today uh, of John 3.30, where John the Baptist says, He must increase and I must decrease. And Lord, in front of my family here and the internet, I just say that uh, that's my prayer for this morning. That um, anything that is of the flesh, anything that is not honoring to you, Lord, that that would uh, decrease in, in... uh, very abrupt and um, helpful manners, and that you would speak clearly, you would speak openly and boldly through me today and through your word. And uh, Lord, have this time and uh, make it count for eternity, make it count for situations. Lord, I love that that your spirit actually takes the word and it, and it deposits it individually into homes and hearts and situations. And so I don't actually need to worry about what I want to say because you are the messenger. You are are that uh, faithful uh, mailman that deposits that message exactly where it needs to go. So Lord, would you do that? So I give you all all reign in this time. Lord, would you do it? Amen. There was a me- there was a movie uh, with a very fitting name, um, and there was a, some lines in that movie that went something like this: This guy and was was trying to see what his chances were with with this girl that he liked, and uh, and and this is the lines he said he said What are the chances of a girl like me and a guy like you? He was a little nervous uh, getting together, and the lady said. Not good. And he said, you know, just, I can take it, give it to me straight, I've come a long way to hear this from you, just level with me here. And he said, so like one in a hundred? And she said, more like one in a million. To that he replied, so you're saying there's a chance. And, uh, you don't need to Google that, um. But I want to talk about hope today. Hope is a powerful, powerful thing in our lives. And the absence of hope is just as powerful. See, I was thinking about that today. Uh, Hope, we don't always know the levels of hope that we're operating in. Until our levels start to diminish. And then it's very clear that hope has left our situation. I've been the proud recipient of a couple of uh, unfortunate back injuries. And the back is one of those things that right now you could pull me. I don't actually know if I have a back or not. I think I do. I, I have faith that I do. But I'm not really concerned about it until you heard it. And then every area of your life reminds you that all is not well. And this is hope. Hope becomes the most obvious and the most valuable when it's the least present in our situation. And it changes everything. Everything becomes so much 
harder when we're lacking hope. Hope is a powerful, powerful thing. I was directed this week uh, on an artist named Zach Williams. If you like kind of like bluesy, southern, he's just amazing. And he did this uh, song set at, at, at a prison, Harding Prison. It's called in Tennessee, I believe the prison is. And I was just mesmerized at the scene. You can, you can watch his whole worship set on YouTube. And I was mesmerized by these hardened criminals sitting in the pews. Some of them were standing. Some of them were praying and pleading to the Lord. Some of them had tears in their eyes. Some of them, they even were smiling. But you could see hope begin to take shape in their lives as Zach Williams was ministering to them in song and that the Holy Spirit was coming through his songs and touching these lives. These lives, this prison of unspeakable darkness and despair and regret and shame was being lifted off as hope began to arise in their lives. As it took shape, as it took hold, it was a beautiful thing. He was singing, bring it to the table. There's nothing he ain't seen before. All your trials, all your worries, all your burdens. There's a savior and he calls, bring it all to the table. And, and this invitation to, to be pulled out of the despair And you could see it in real time. These men start to say, even just to themselves, maybe I'm not too lost. Maybe I'm not too broken or defeated. Just maybe, just maybe there's a savior for me. Hope is a powerful thing. This is our passage for the day. 1 Peter 3, and it's 13 to 17. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. And so I want us to consider two important questions. Whether you're here live, whether you're at home, ask yourselves two questions about hope. Where is your hope today? Where is your hope today? And is your hope, is my hope available to the world around us? We're going to, Lord willing, answer those today. So firstly, do we have hope? What is the source of that hope? It's kind of a trick question because even when we're hopeless, we're hoping in something. 
It's like saying, I'm not an eternal creature if I don't go to heaven. Unfortunately, yes, you are. And unfortunately, eternity is a long time. And so when we say, I want to become a Christian so I have eternal life. No, no. You want to have eternal life with Jesus, not the other thing. And hope is a thing that we're that we always have. But the issue is, what is Lord of our hope? What is the source? What are we putting our hope in? This hope that I want to talk about today is not something that is fleeting. Not something that is temporary. Not something that is on the fence. Sometimes we can use the word hope as something that we would prefer to happen in the future. I hope I have lunch when I go home. I hope that the kids have a full nap. Right? I don't have any control over that. And it's really hit and miss if it's going to happen. Well, not the lunch thing. The lunch thing is going to happen. But this hope today is not something that we have to wonder about or wish we had. Hebrews 6.11, and we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end. This hope that we want to speak of, this hope that's in Jesus, this hope that the world so badly needs to be seen in our lives is not some fleeting temporary thing. It is a rock solid, full of earnestness, full assured hope in Jesus. That's the only hope that's worth offering to the world. Peter is a practi- First Peter is a practical letter. He's talking about life. He's talking about how, do you, how does a Christian deal with government? How does a Christian deal with authority in their lives? How does a Christian deal with a good marriage? How does a Christian handle persecution? How does a Christian live in a sinful world? How does a Christian impart good church leadership? This is what 1 Peter is about. This is the structure. But he doesn't start there. He lays the foundation first. 1 Peter 1, 3 to 5. This is the basis for our hope. This is the basis for everything past this verse today. The best run-on sentence ever. 1 Peter 1, 3 to 5. Got to take a deep breath for this one. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again in a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. Break. Amazing. Life-giving. It's this living hope. It's not something temporary or fleeting. Peter's expectation is when he starts with this truth, that all of his readers would cling to that reality and say, okay, all of this hard stuff you're asking me to do after that, I can do that because my context is in a living hope that has nothing to do with wishful thinking. It's not a hope that the world offers. It's not a hope that's temporary or built on human effort or built on 
high expectations. This is a hope that is rooted in the living, breathing, serving, dying, rising Jesus Christ. A living hope that is with them every step of their walk, every step of our walk. We are rooted and clinging and needing to see every step ahead of us. This living hope, this living hope is the pace bunny. If anybody knows what a pace bunny is, pace bunnies are at races and they dress like bunnies. Okay, and they have a, a time on them. If you want to run a 210 marathon, I want to run a 210 marathon. I physically am unable to. But a 210 marathon, they'll have that on their back. They'll have the bunny outfit on and they will run a 210 marathon. And you just follow them. This is that living hope. It's not some bunny. It's a living Jesus Christ who came and died and rose and is just rooting for you, guiding you, clearing the way every step. Because this living hope isn't a thing, it's a person. First Peter 4.19 Therefore let us who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Surrendering myself to all that he has. The hope that is rooted in Jesus for us first translates into our lives in magnificent and powerful ways. I was reading on a guy named John Huss. Now, in the 1400s, you don't disagree with the Catholic Church. You don't do it or you shouldn't do it. There was consequences. And John Huss... Uh, was a believer that, that didn't like how it was going in the Catholic Church. And the Catholic Church liked to burn people on the stake. I don't know if they liked it, but that was their method. The account of John Huss's death is that wood was placed up to his chin while he was on the stake. Tied to a post in the ground, wood p- piled up to his chin. And yet the only thing he could utter for himself was Christ have mercy on us. As he was burning, the second thought was Christ have mercy on me. How does that happen? How does that happen? How do these people who Hebrews says that the world wasn't even worthy of these martyrs? How do you get from, I don't know if Jesus is big enough to handle the debt that I have. Or the fact that I can't see my family the way I wish. Or that my relationships aren't the way that I wish that they were. How do we get from that to... Okay, I, I can feel the wood on my chin. I can actually rest my head on it. I can rest my head on the bonfire that is meant for me. And I can utter with the last breaths, Christ have mercy on us. Can we stand up to that reality? Can we stand up if that is our journey that we are meant to walk? We can if our hope 
in the living, breathing, dying, rising, all-powerful, all-loving, all-compassionate Jesus is rock solid. If that is our foundation, because that's what Huss was looking at. That's what Stephen was looking at. That's what Peter hung upside down on the cross was looking at. My hope is in Jesus. And I'm going to see him right away. It's going to be totally worth it. This makes us dangerous Christians. Not dangerous in that they don't know how to control themselves on Facebook dangerous. But dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. What do you think the devil says to himself when he sees these Christians that say, I'm going to break him like a pinata and he's going to explode blessings all over his world. I'm going to cut him and hope is going to pour out. I hate you. I fear you. I hate you. I fear you. I hate you. I fear you. I don't know what to do with you. I can't kill you because things grow. We're never out of the game if our hope is in Jesus. We're never out of the game. And it's already won. Steve Bell, the greatest Christian artist of all time. Let it never be said that I've trusted in vain. It is your reputation that makes me outrageously brave. There's always hope because Jesus rose from the dead. Do we know this Jesus? Is this our experience? Let's not worry about anyone in the world yet. Let's just worry about ourselves. What I've said thus far, and hopefully the Holy Spirit made it sound better when you heard it. Is this our experience of Jesus? Sadly, it's often not mine. But we'll get to me yet in a minute. So the first question is, what is our faith, what is our hope rooted in? The second is, is it visible to the outside world? And again, this is a trick question. Because the things that we hope in are extremely visible to the outside world. We put them on like we would wear clothes. And they come out in every area of our lives. When things are going really well, when things are going really poorly, that hope that we are so rooted in that are looking to save us comes out in every area. The thing we hope in is exceedingly on display. It's what we're broadcasting. I was watching that flag. I walk up and down Main Street often during the week and Watching the flag by the off by the um, city hall there. There's that huge flag, and I was thinking that flag is at the mercy of the thing that is propelling it, left, right, center, whatever it is. It can't help 
but show very clearly what it is being kind of overcome by, led by, controlled by. And our hopes lead us along. They're clear to the world. I got to marvel at a, a certain worship leader this week, fully anointed to preach, fully anointed to lead worship, fully anointed to do whatever else. And he was scraping stairwells in the church, sweaty as all get up. And I thought, I don't have any doubt what's pushing him. His actions were very clear. And not just in, I'm task driven like I am. But how much he loved the church. How much he was willing to serve. How much he was willing to humble himself. How many good grubby clothes he wanted to get used during a work week. These things were all very clear. It's our conduct. First Peter 3.15 again. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet, do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Lastly, hope is a powerful message. Hope is a powerful thing, it's a powerful person, and most importantly, it's a powerful message. Because the expectation of Peter when he wrote this was, be rooted so deeply in hope that whatever happens to you, hope flows out of you. Be so rooted in hope that the people around you are going to be asking questions. How often do people ask us, what is going on with you that you're so joyful, that you're so loving? Where do you get the capacity to love me like that? Where do you get the capacity to sacrifice for me like that? That's what he's saying. Peter's saying, live a life that people are going to come asking questions. And when they do, be ready to blast them with gentleness and respect in all that Jesus has done for you as your living hope. Peter sees a direct correlation between the believer's walk and their message. The beginning of chapter 3, he even... Uh, looks at wives of unbelieving husbands. In 3 verse 3. Look, Likewise wives be subject to your own husbands. So that even if some do not obey the word. They may be won without a word. By the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct. It's interesting. Because I read one commentary that said. Uh, Peter spent six verses on wives. And one verse on husbands. What's up with that? And the reason was because wives at that time had no rights, no power, nothing. And Peter's saying, your conduct rooted in Jesus, where you take hold of the hope that you have, you cling to it for all you are worth 
and you prophesy into your family's life by your gentleness, by your respect, watch what I'm going to do. It's amazing. It's amazing. Have a reason for that hope that is in you. Peter's assuming that the things that we do, how we talk to people, how we act, how we conduct ourselves in the grocery store, on the street, in traffic. We don't have the same persecution that they did then. Because Peter was writing to people who were literally losing their lives for their faith. Losing their property. Losing their relationships. We've lost the ability to meet together. Perhaps we shouldn't cry too much over that. And yet, it is a real loss. But in all these things, Peter is saying, get ready. Get ready. Get full of hope in Jesus. And then get ready to tell everybody why you're so countercultural. Why you stick out so much. Nobody wants to stick out. Nobody wants to look different than the crowd. I don't I don't I know I don't. This hope in Jesus, this living hope, this is something that we should be prepared to stick out. And yet we need to do it respectfully and gently. We need to take hold of that that common saying where you hate the sin and you love the sinner. I wrote that the wrong way in my notes before. I was like, oh man, I better get that right. But it's this heart of Jesus, this mind of Jesus that needs to come out. This transformation that needs to take place in us. We can passionately go after people. And I have just three postures as we desire to be hope-filled people. Not a hope that's fleeting, not a hope that's temporary or man-made, something we have to chase after, something we have to go after every day. This deep, life-giving hope, this living hope in Jesus. These are really obvious. We need to walk with him. We need to walk with him every day. 1 John 2, 28. Little children, abide in him. Remain in him. So that when he appears, you may have confidence and not shrink back from him in shame at his coming. John is saying, be so close to Jesus that when he comes back, you don't feel awkward because you haven't called him in a while. It's this idea of of walking closely with him. Being in fellowship and community. Because we can't beckon our hope when the time arises. We need to take it with us. We need to take it with us. We need to bring him with us. We need to trust him with your heart. 1 Corinthians 13, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And this is, this is twofold, this trusting Jesus with your heart. Because 
It starts by us fully giving our hearts to him. This is who I am. This isn't who I want to be. This isn't potentially who I wish I was. This isn't even who you've made me to be or desired me to be. This is who I am today. Good, bad, and ugly. And that's phase one of trusting him with our hearts. The second is asking, depending, pleading with him to impart on us his heart for people. Because Jesus doesn't just want to heal our hearts. He doesn't just want to cast all shame and guilt and hiddenness and condemnation off of our hearts. He wants to remake it and rebuild it. He wants more ventricles. He wants more valves. He wants more places. He wants to expand our hearts. So it looks very little like the thing that we started with. But it's supercharged to hold at capacity the love that God has for people. Can we trust him with that? Because our lives can look a lot different very quickly. Lastly, we have to guard our thoughts. Now, this this one's for me. Uh, I think it's for a lot of other people too, but it's definitely for me. Hope is born and dies in our thoughts. It is planted and it is snuffed out in our minds. That's what happens with hope. Because God plants seeds. Constantly planting seeds. Constantly planting seeds. And then we come and we say, okay, I like that. But I'm not going to embrace that. I'm going to plant my own seeds. I'm going to be planting my own seeds here. Oh, and the world's coming around me. They want to plant some seeds too. Good, good, good. And it's this hotbed Of ideas and concepts and dreams and plans and desires and labels and condemnation and hurts. It's this hotbed. It all happens in our mind. It's this battle of the mind where we're critical, where we keep score, where we have a critical spirit, where we have negativity. It's this battle because hope dies under those circumstances. Let me tell you. Hope dies. Yet he says, do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Further in Corinthians 2, the spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who can under, this is the exciting part. Who can understand the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But... We have the mind of Christ. That is really good news. Because the alternative is I have to have my own mind. And my mind is turbocharged to think as negative as possible, as often as possible. And my hope dies all the time. But the reality is I have the mind of Jesus. I have the mind of Jesus. We have the mind of Jesus that says no situation is ever hopeless. No person is ever too far gone. Never. 
Strike that from every semblance of reality in our mind that it's ever too far gone because he never thinks that. He never thinks we've alienated ourselves too much. I can't change my behavior. I can't change my thoughts. I can't change my addictions. I can't change my situation. I can't change this relationship. I can't grow. This is who I am. I'll always see the glass as half, half empty. That's not my mind. I, I didn't think that. Never too far gone. No person is ever too far gone. No distance he would never go or not go for us. And just in closing, this is the hope that the world is begging and pleading and hurting for. They just don't know it and they would probably never tell you. This is the thing that the church can provide that will actually matter. Hope that you're not too far gone. Your situation is not futile. It's not over. It's never over. Jesus says it's never over. This is the message that the world needs. The world doesn't need our condemnation, our guilt, our labels. It doesn't need that. It's had that. And we're paying the consequences for it now. It needs this constant reminder that Jesus is who he says he is. He's never going to leave you. He's always big enough. And he's just waiting for you to come home. Church, this hope is a powerful, powerful person. Powerful person. Let's give ourselves to the Lord. Lord, we thank you for uh, this time. We thank you for um, your word that we can come under. We can believe, Lord, where, where, where your word has said something that is contrary to what we believe or hope or wish for ourselves. The things that we've been told. Lord, would you give us faith to turn into you? Would you fill us with hope, Lord, every situation... Lord, if there are people that don't know you here today, I pray that, that you would give them the capacity supernaturally to look up to you. Wherever they're at today, to look up to you and say, God, I have nothing. I have no hope. I have nothing to offer for myself, my family, my community. I have nothing. Would you fill me today? Would you save me today? Would you satisfy me today? Thank you, we worship you, Lord. Amen.